Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we are continuing the Dynasty week, season, month, whatever the hell you want to call it, with a look at the ever-important quarterback position. Done a lot of research on this over the past few weeks. Age, age, experience. If mobile quarterbacks run less as they get older, we'll have a bunch of takeaways from that throughout the episode. But I have a very special guest to help me accomplish this goal. You know him. He's all over ESPN. Some of the best projections in the biz. Intros cannot do this man's service. Mike Clay at Mike Clay NFL, of course. Mike, thank you so much for the time, man. Your second appearance on the PFF Fantasy Pod. We appreciate you each and every time, my man. Yeah, the well, you say the second, but actually uh, I was on the first one ever and many more after that. So I've been on uh, hundreds of them back in the day when we started it, Jeff Frackliffe and I. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if everyone knows that because I've been I've been away from PFF for five, six years now. But uh, I was there at the beginning, started the PFF fantasy uh, department and uh, helped build it up along with uh, my predecessor or my uh, eventual replacement Jeff Ratcliffe so uh, you guys are holding the torch well um and doing way better than we ever did I don't honestly I I don't want to go back and watch the original (laughs) shows because I can only imagine how awkward and uncomfortable they are I feel I still I still feel to this day like I'm getting my feet under me when I'm talking on uh, pods and and TV and all that fun stuff it's just wild. it's one of these things man where like we can never truly be satisfied because there's right, always right. something new to learn about whether, you know, presentation, football, and then like, just when you get complacent, I feel like I always say something stupid. And then we got to start over from yeah. square one, but <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Plus but, when you go to uh, ESPN and you sit down next to the talent that's around oh you, God. it's just, it's super intimidating too. you know, to be around a, an, an amazing host, like Randy Scott and field Yates and, and uh, you know, analysts like Matthew and Stefania and the list goes on and on and on. And, uh, we have some incredible talent here, so that's even more intimidating. But uh, yeah, all we can do is just uh, talk about football. You know, that's that's what I do. Iron <laughs> sharpens iron, my man. Yes, S- second appearance since I've been privileged enough. There to you go, a member of uh, PFF. <laughs> Obviously, Mike's uh, you know history speaks for itself. So again, everyone, main topic of today, we want to talk dynasty quarterbacks. Now, Mike and I actually delayed the start of this podcast, thinking that Aaron Rodgers had something to get off his chest. He did not. So Rogers saga aside, let's get things rolling. So Mike, I want to start off kind of bigger picture because dynasty, you know, we're always looking at least three, maybe sometimes even five to 10 years down the road. And just in terms of like the age at these positions in terms of when they're able to put forward top 12 seasons, 21% of fantasy QB ones over the past 10 years have been 35 years or older. And when I sat out this chart, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's just a Tom Brady effect. And yeah, he has a bunch of those, believe me. But also Rodgers, Breeze, Big Ben, Matt Ryan, Peyton, Rivers, Romo. Age seems to be nothing but a number at the quarterback position. With that said, is there a point in dynasty we really start looking to sell sooner rather than later with some of these, you know, more elderly quarterbacks? Or is this more of an eye test thing where it's like, you know, when Peyton Manning's arm looks like it falls off in 2014, we kind of know the end is there. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the answer is no on selling them. And the reason is because no one wants them. Yeah, you know, fair. who's trading for, for a, a quarterback in his mid thirties, you know, uh, and that's, that's the truth of it. I mean, perceived value is so important market value uh, in dynasty. And if uh, you know, people are down on, on a guy or they see an H they don't like, they're just not going to give you much. So there's just no sense in doing it. You know, I haven't had much luck with that uh, in the past trading older quarterbacks. So you might as well just ride it out because that, the honest truth is they're probably going to last longer as fantasy relevant quarterbacks than than you probably realize as you just pointed out and you're just not going to get much back you know what are you going to trade you know three four years ago are you going to trade matt ryan or tom brady or aaron Rodgers for a third round pick or you know maybe if rogers you get a two something like that but sure. you know people just see, they, they see that age and they think well he maybe has one year left maybe two i'm not gonna and, and not to mention by the way we're in general, not talking super flex, right? So one quarterback, right. at least as people get smarter and smarter and smarter, which has been the case over the last decade, if if there's only 12 starting quarterbacks in your fantasy league, people just aren't that aren't valuing the position high enough. It's just not worthwhile. Um, so, you know, honestly, no, if I, I usually <laughs> don't have older quarterbacks, uh, but if I do end up in that position, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write it out. 
it might be, I hear you definitely not, we're not going to sell, you know, for half the price that, you know, they might be worth and particularly if they're almost being undervalued as they get up. But if you are in a startup or something like that, and you decide to go, you know, heavy, heavy, mm-hmm. heavy, every other position to start and you find yourself competitive, but needing, you know, that ever important quarterback piece to complete the roster, maybe targeting some of these guys as, you know, take a page out of the real NFL's playbook, mm-hmm. get your mm-hmm. mercenary quarterback, your Matthew Stafford for a year or two, because to your point, people just, you know, in dynasty land, maybe at least that quarterback, we're almost like over, we're putting almost too much stock into the age and today's NFL. I mean, they're not taking the same hits. And uh, again, if the situation is right, I agree with you. We're not selling. Maybe if if the situation is right, we could be buyers though. Yeah, that's a a 100% a fair point. And, you know, someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's viewed, assuming he returns maybe for one more year, I mean, you might get him on the cheap, you know, it might be a guy to go after if you have quarterback issues. Um, you know, a, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, a injury plague season, maybe, you know, you expect a bounce back, you know, I know we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but a guy like that, you could go after coming off a bit of a down year. So I'm with you from, from that standpoint, those guys that are fringe or back in QB ones, you know, that are up there. And if someone's, especially, you know, the, the thing I always do in this situation is look for teams that have multiple good quarterbacks, you know, that's uh, they're willing to sell them cheaper. And especially in a situation like that, someone is Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers. Good, good guy to go, you know, go after Rogers. There you, go. you know, it's a good opportunity to go in and get him a little cheaper than you would uh, for someone who only has one good quarterback. Great points, Mike. And I know it's I, it's always a tough question. You know, we get these on Twitter. It's like, oh, you buy, sell, or hold this guy. It depends yeah. every single time on what you can get in all those situations. So for sure, yeah. mentioned in terms of experience, age, we see the most. This over the past ten years, high end quarterbacks come from thirty five plus, ten plus years in the NFL. Definitely some survivalship bias going on there. But interestingly, the other bucket of quarterbacks that we saw kind of spike up was second year signal callers. Now a lot of us were really high on these players. Last season, obviously, none of them really um, kind of got that ceiling out just yet. Saw some flashes from Justin Fields. Mac Jones, obviously, was a great real-life quarterback. But looking at that 2021 QB class in Dynasty Land, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, even Davis Mills. How would you rank them just against each other? And then how much did last regular season kind of change your opinion on the order, if at all? Well, you kind of nailed it there with year two, right? I mean, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks that didn't do much out of the gate. Their efficiency tends to make a big leap from year one to two. That's where you see the largest gain in production um, and efficiency. So I don't really worry too much about a rookie season unless it's unbelievably horrific or really, really good. You know, like Justin Herbert, I'm going to be higher on than other, you know, last year I was higher on him than I would normally be a second year quarterback for obvious reasons. You know, he completely lit it up as a rookie. He looked like a star right away. You would expect that to continue, Um, you know, but again, if a guy is just okay or maybe below average for a a rookie quarterback, not too worried about it. You know, we've seen plenty of examples, including a guy like Matthew Stafford or even Peyton Manning, who made a gigantic leap in year number two, Joe Burrow, even his efficiency wasn't so hot uh, before he got injured last year and he made a huge leap. So uh, Josh Allen, another one took a couple of years, but he, he picked it up. So, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence was number one on my board going into last year. I stand by that. He's QB nine in my dynasty rankings. I have Lance net right after him at 10 and fields right after him at an 11. I, I think that's the three guys, obviously Lance and fields can do a ton with their legs fields. His last, what is it? His last four full games, all top 12, you know, so we started to see that he got hurt so, right when he was starting to come on. Man. Right. So right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I still believe in Trey Lance, especially in that scheme with Shanahan. So, uh, and, and plus, he doesn't have to throw it great, you know, so right. he's, uh, he's running it. We're, we're happy. So I uh, have those three together, a um, little bit of a step down to Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm on the fence with him. You know, I want to love him. You know, you see some of the flash plays, you see how he finished up last year, but man, his efficiency was really, really poor last year uh, in the first and second half, honestly. So he had the flash plays that Jets offense was scoring two plus touchdowns pretty much every game, which I don't think many people realize, which is, which is good, but um, little down a little bit on him. Um, obviously he can run a little bit, but not quite to the extent of a fields or a Lance. And then Mac Jones, again, pocket quarterback. I just worry about his ceiling. Um, there's, there's a, a handful of guys like that that just don't run enough. So, and he's older, he's older than these guys too, by about, you know, one to two years. So, uh, have him at 17 for the moment. Um, and, and by the way, I'll, Davis Mills quick mention again, almost 24. I don't view him as a future you know, franchise quarterback. In fact, they might be looking elsewhere this year. I don't think so based on the assets they have. 
the situation they're in, the available quarterbacks, but Mills is a guy that's way down my board. I, I'm rooting for him, but from a dynasty perspective, not too interested. I think Jets fans will like the kind of analysis you gave on Zach Wilson because it did seem I, I can I can see what they're saying where you know Lawrence is having a terrible year, Wilson's having a terrible year, but only kind of one of them was getting the benefit of the doubt moving forward. And mm-hmm. Wilson, if you just look at his big time throws throughout the year, I mean, my God, some of the things he pulled off in that Titans game, yeah. he did yeah. uh, finish strong. So maybe he could uh, get going. But I saw this uh, fantastic uh, quote from uh, Patrick Daughtery, Roto Pat. You know, always been doing great mm-hmm. stuff at Roto World, NBC Sports uh, for a long time. Where his uh, definition for Zach Wilson was a potential dual threat who needs to establish a single threat first. Which which I think is uh, very fair <laughs> at this point in his career. But yeah, man, and then like, I know we're talking dynasty, but just in terms of this, these valuations, like going to next year, one or two of these guys are going to pop off. We're all expecting it to be mm-hmm. Fields and Lance, but where are they being priced right now, man? Lawrence and Wilson, like just that discount that's available, uh, certainly wouldn't discount either guy making a nice leap here in 2022. But- yeah, and the answer of who to pick might be whoever goes later in drafts, right? right. But that you should definitely have those lists of quarterbacks uh, on your watch list late in your draft, right? That's yeah. always, that's where I grabbed Joe Burrow last year. You know, that's where you want to be looking. That's where I grabbed or where we grabbed Patrick Mahomes a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, those late round picks are meant for those second year quarterbacks who can make that big leap. And Lawrence, Lance, Fields, Wilson, maybe Jones. Again, I'm again worried about his ceiling, yeah. but maybe Jones. That's who you're looking at in the late rounds. Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler. Kyler had a good rookie year too. Mm-hmm. And then Jalen Hurts last year. There's one a year. Uh, we got about six more months to figure out exactly who that is going to be. All right. We got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, pretty much a consensus QB1, QB2 in Dynasty Land. Who is your overall QB3? I got Justin Herbert right now. But again, I think there are a couple more guys you can make the argument for. Yeah, I think you could, but it was an easy call for me. I'm with you. Yeah. Justin Herbert, uh, you know, off to a slow start. You remember he, he came out of the gate pretty slow. He only had what through before their bye week, mm-hmm. only two weekly finishes better than 12th. He had the two huge games, but, you know, came out, had a bunch of finishes outside the top 20, uh, even toward midseason. Same kind of thing, right? Very, very boom bust. And then that kind of went away. Their second half of the season, he was right back to just putting 20, 25 points up every single week and was rolling, ended up QB2 for the season. So at his age, to be doing that damage already is super impressive. I'm in on Herbert. You know, he's, the, you know, QB, QB2 last year very easily could lead the position of fantasy points this year. So, uh, it, again, kind of an easy call. I, I know there's some serious talent in that range with Kyler and, and Lamar right. and uh, but for me, it was an easy call on Justin Herbert, just 24 years old. The guy is the guy is a superstar. I've said in this podcast many times, I'm sure my listeners are sick of it, but you know, we don't necessarily care about style points and fantasy football. All yards are created equal, but my God, some of these things Justin Herbert is able to do out there. Oh, yeah. Hard not to just be completely uh, blown away. Uh, your pinned tweet right now, incredibly helpful. It's your first edition of the 2022 unrestricted free agency cheat sheet. And if you start digging around the chargers, man, they have all sorts of cap room. But Mike Williams is a free agent. Jalen Guyton, exclusive rights, uh, free agent. I believe he might even be uh, there's a chance Jalen Guyton's gone. Either way, all three tight ends in uh, Parham, Cook, and Steven Anderson uh, are potential outs as well. Is there someone, like, other than Keenan Allen, really, in this Chargers offense? I know, you know, we're sticking to quarterbacks, but kind of looking more at the wide receivers. Um, someone you'd like to see come in, or do you think maybe someone like Josh Palmer could actually be on the rise here? Because, again, we know how great Justin Herbert is. Keenan Allen's going to get his, and I guess Austin Eckler too, but I, there should be enough, you know, passing volume in this offense to enable another guy, whether he's already on the roster or not. Yeah, so I think uh, I, our hope, I hope that the Chargers learned a little bit from the to the Bengals last season, right? And when they bring in Jamar Chase and and don't be like, okay, we have T. Higgins and we have Joe Mixon and we have Tyler Boyd, we're good. He's enough weapons. No, you know, you get if you have a chance to get another super impact player, that can make all the difference. And it did for the Bengals, yeah. and I think it would for the Chargers. Whose O line? I can't believe I'm saying this. Their O line is actually in decent shape relative to where it's been in years. <laughs> First past. time in a Rel- decade. Yeah, right. And relative to where the Bengals were last year. So they, they could still use work there. Don't get me wrong, but they have some pieces in place. And uh, I think they can afford to go after uh, a big time player. And they should, because right now, like you said, you have Keenan Allen, you have Austin Eckler, and then you have question marks, right? That's that's pretty much it. And Allen is turns 30 this season so or this year. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely need to get aggressive offensively. Um, you mentioned, you know, is there a name? And it's the obvious one, of course, right? It's a day, day two. Uh, pick from last year, Josh Palmer flashed this past year. He's, you know, he's actually a similar frame to Keenan Allen, yeah. but plays more on the perimeter. He can't play inside a little bit, but he'd be on the perimeter with Keenan Allen inside. 
most likely this season. But, uh, you know, I saw enough from him to think he can make that leap in year number two. But of course, the question is, do they re-sign Mike Williams or do they spend, you know, they spend an early pick on one of these impact wide receivers, these rookie receivers, or do they go out and, and or do they go out and get a, an impact tight end as well? Because right now, like you said, it's Parham and it's Trey McKitty who was a third rounder last mm-hmm. year. So uh, we'll see what they do. But for now, Palmer's the guy you would expect to make a leap, uh, but still some questions to be answered. Definitely one of the key situations to keep an eye on. And Palmer is still kind of carrying a uh, fairly, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five ADP in uh, dynasty land. And like worst case, he's going to be out there in three wide receiver sets. I think he's a prime example of someone that really is being priced near their floor right now, where, Hey, if you have him, like he's not the worst asset to have by any stretch of the imagination, obviously ceiling if they decide to roll back with him as their true number two, much, much higher. So we got Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, but you said it, this tier is loaded. Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson versus Kyler Murray was something I really struggled with in these rankings. Ultimately did settle on that exact order, Burrow, Lamar, Kyler. But man, I feel like over the years in redraft particularly, maybe I've been burning myself just valuing that rushing floor a little too much. We all know how important it is, you know, having these multiple means of racking up production. But someone like Tom Brady obviously didn't need to run the ball to still put up these massive fantasy seasons over the past two years. Have you seen enough from Joe Burrow as a pure passer to think that he can overcome the rushing upside that Lamar or Kyler presents? And accordingly, are you going with Burrow QB4? I'm not going Burrow QB4 just yet, and I'll tell you why. So. Um, you know, check this out. I, I think this is kind of unbelievable. I, I think it would shock a lot of people. So Joe Burrow has finished four weeks as a uh, better than eighth in fantasy points in his career, in his career, he has four <laughs> weekly finishes better than eighth. So, um, I think there is a ton of recency bias baked into him right now, based on seeing him throughout the playoffs, um, and seeing those two games against Baltimore for, you know, in the middle and the end of the season, that those were his two uh, biggest game. There's a, there's a third in there. Like Chiefs one thrown in there too. The, yeah. the Chiefs game. Exactly. Right. So he had three huge games. Two of them were against that Baltimore team that had like no defenders. Um, but, and then he goes into the playoffs and again, they were kept winning games, but not with Joe Burrow throwing touchdowns, right? His fantasy point totals. Not so hot. You know, he had uh, one passing touchdown against, or no, let's say the Raiders. He had two. None against the Titans, two against the Chiefs, and none in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, um, or no, I guess he, oh, no, no, he, he had the T Higgins one, but yeah, he had the T Higgins one in the Super Bowl. Joe right? Mixon so, has many touchdown passes in the Super Bowl, <laughs> 100%. So, uh, you know, he came out early in the season and was throwing touchdowns, but there wasn't a lot of volume and the fantasy production wasn't there. And then the touchdowns really kind of dropped off. In fact, I was on the under one and a half uh, passing touchdowns in the Super Bowl because we were getting like plus 155, something like that. I couldn't believe that line. Um, and sure enough, he, he fell under. I mean, the, the passing touchdowns just weren't there for him with few exceptions in the second half of the season. So, um, you know, again, he, he doesn't add a lot with his legs. I think he can do a little more there as he gets closer to full health, but he's a pocket quarterback. He's going to rely on the, the pass catchers. And as someone like, you know, I, I think maybe a comparable guy is like Phillip Rivers, right, where tremendous quarterback through, during his prime, right, one of the best in the league. And Joe Burrow very well could be that as well. But Dever was really a standout in fantasy because, you know, he had a couple of years there he bounced around, but generally was had a hard time practicing. Never had a 30-point game. Never. Right, because he didn't <laughs> run, right? He didn't run at all. So, it, it, you know, maybe if Burrow picks it up and gets to 250, 300, and maybe a couple of rushing touchdowns, that helps. But when you're comparing him to guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, who, by the way, are younger. Kyler's younger. Jackson and Burrow are the same age. They've done it before. They run a lot. I, that, for me, made the difference. So I'm going Kurt, uh, Kyler then Jackson, then Burrow. The one thing that could say Burrow's if he gets the, cause you're right. The run game volume. Okay. He, he can run around, but he's, he's a pocket quarterback. We all realize that yes. if he can get the passing volume back up there, because like, for example, I missed on a, you know, Tyler Boyd wasn't terrible last year, but I just thought he was going to be a great value based on what he'd done before. And the kind of thing that I didn't see coming in 2021 was the Bengals until the end of the season, man, being this, you know, really run first offense, like mm-hmm. right before, right before they got to that, you know, second Ravens game, the chiefs game, we had that ridiculous Denver game where they, you know, it was like, 10 of 11 first downs in the second half was a handoff to Joe Mixon. My uh, co-worker Eric Eager always says, easiest way to take the wind out of uh, Paul Brown Stadium, get the ball to Joe Mixon on first and 10. Nothing against Joe Mixon as a rusher. He was very good, I think, behind a uh, bad offensive line. We don't really give him the same benefit of the doubt as we do with Burrow playing behind them, but certainly would like to see Zach Taylor 
put the offense more in control, Burrow, from week one throughout uh, the rest of the year. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they get that going. We'll give a special shout out to our friends over at All 22, recording this on February, you know, 22nd, 2-2-2. And guess what the year is? 2022. I mean, that's just a great day to unveil your plan. I mean, when your name is company is all 22, why wouldn't you come out on the day with the most twos that we've ever seen? But anyway, people, truly, our friends at all 22 are unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees, including myself, have already been playing. All 22 uses weekly PFF grades as one of its main scoring components and tests your ability to build a full 53-man roster, offensive line included. Now, you listeners know how much I despise kickers. I don't despise defense. I don't despise offensive linemen. Those are real football players. Back in the day, people, this might shock you. I even played some football myself. And Lord knows I wasn't coordinated enough. And I did not have good enough hands to actually play something that was fantasy footballers know. But hey, linebackers, defensive linemen, like offensive linemen, I can work with this. And the folks at All22 help us make that happen. So if you've ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office, if you enjoy the scouting process, you're going to want to check out All22. Join the wait list on all-22.com with nothing more than your email. If you join the waitlist before the NFL draft, you receive a special promo code for your All22 subscription. Waitlist users will even gain access to premium content like inaugural draft guides, in-season strategies, feature release announcements, and more be sure to follow all 22 underscore pff on twitter and truly people all 22 less fantasy more football it's still fantasy fantasy real life we're merging them it's a great day to be great great day to sign up for all 22 again be sure to follow all 22 underscore pff on twitter also i would be remiss if i did not give a special shout out to our friends over there at western and southern because the fancy podcast is sponsored by western southern financial group while you focus on your roster moves western southern helps advance your money moves buying your first house plan to start a family wondering how to make your money grow western southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand these and the address goals with the game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff and hey maybe you're a hoop fan i'm rooting for my cleveland cavaliers didn't have a chance to watch the all-star game festivities you know i've been watching ted lasso which is a interesting tv show but that's not the point of this advertisement because hoops fan hoop fans the latest offer from DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba is too good to pass up i'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good not exactly what was going on at the dunk contest but we did see what was it the old nfl not nfl obviously the old nba uh wasn't 2k you guys saw the viral dunk videos of like lebron like legit doing a 360 windmill between the legs haven't seen that real life in a while but anyway new customers can bet just one dollar on any team and get 150 dollars in free bets if they win it's that simple sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you can still take a shot at a big payday everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy basketball contest DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit so download DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff bet just one dollar on any nba team Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Just make sure you're 21 years old or minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com for a full list of requirements and stay specific responsible gaming resources. If you have a gambling problem, don't call me. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, finally, everyone, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you just use code FANTASY. Dynasty ranks, they're up there. Locked article content, they're up there. Draft guide, free agent rankings, completely unlocked mock draft simulator, all that and so much more. Again, support the pod, use promo code FANTASY, get that 25% off any PFF sub, and now back to the podcast. Kyler versus Lamar is interesting because I have Lamar ahead of Kyler right now, but I'm almost thinking about changing him, Mike, because I was looking at rushing quarterbacks and how their career progresses um, really since 2000. I had a nice sample size of 19 quarterbacks. I guess, you know, all sample sizes are small in the NFL, but we'll take what we can get with that. And basically, as we might expect, over time, we do see rushing quarterbacks run the ball less as they, you know, become better pocket passers. They have millions of reasons to maybe keep themselves a little bit healthier, stay away from some of those hits. And the one guys I saw, though, like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, over 50% of their year one fantasy points were coming from rushing production. Now, obviously, Josh Allen, back-to-back QB1, was able to he still run the ball a lot, but when he progressed as a sort of passer that he has, then you don't necessarily need to keep running the ball like that. 
and Lamar, I'm not going to sit here and slander the guy and call him a running back. I hate that more than any other storyline going on on fantasy football Twitter. But let's face it, I think pick a passing metric, any passing metric, at least from last year, man, Kyle Murray is the better passer than Lamar Jackson right now. And if there is, you know, if we are going to bet on Kyler versus Lamar as a thrower and kind of looking at their rushing upside and just kind of more or less calling that a draw, I do think Kyler probably deserves to get that nod. Yeah, I'm with you. And by the way, I will point out, you know, I, I think it's it's very hard to find a sample of, uh, you know, run, we'll say run first quarterbacks, right? You know, it's kind of a new generation of quarterbacks. But, you know, I think about someone like Cam Newton, who's kind of a modern era uh, quarterback who kind of took a beating. You know, he ran a lot between the tackles. It was getting to 110, 120, 130 carries. And, you know, you'll look at his peak seasons, right? And they were at age 26 and 28, right? So, um, even without great passing efficiency, this is a guy that was putting up top two fantasy yeah. scoring seasons, um, you know, old, at in ages older than mm-hmm. what what these guys are right now. So that uh, makes me feel a little bit better about Kyler and Jackson, at least in the next three to four year window. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were two years older, yeah, I'd have them lower. But, you know, that's that's kind of common sense, but especially because they're running quarterback. So, um, yeah, I think I, I do think Kyler and Jackson is tough. The one thing I'd say about Lamar is, and actually this might apply to Kyler too, but he does only have the one top 10 season, you know, because yeah. he was injury played this past year, the year before he missed a game and was 10th year before it was this, was this huge season. So that did give me a little pause there, but at his age with his profile, what he can do with his legs, I, you know, uh, I, I ended up, I, I went Murray over him it was close call, but ended up keeping Lamar in the top five there. And you named one of the two quarterbacks out of that 19 player group that we did see, you know, even late in their career, still run the ball a lot. And it was Cam and Cordell Stewart slash, uh, you know, oh, yeah. blast from the past right there. I think pretty clear that at least, you know, Cam post shoulder injury, like he just wasn't the same passer. Cordell Stewart really never was the most polished passer uh, to begin with. So I do think, uh, you know, if you are able to find that team to invest in you, they can keep running. It's not like, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to be slow by the time he's 30 by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, uh, certainly something to keep an eye on though and yeah man it has been a while since we've seen uh lamar completely take over i think he was about to get there this year unfortunately that injury bug uh came to get him uh, i do want to say though uh, great research from dr evan porter so i always shout out he does fantastic work over at fantasy points there isn't any sort of real evidence that mobile quarterbacks are more quote-unquote injury prone than statues in the pocket which makes sense to me man because like all right yeah, if you're Cam Newton battering around between the tackles, that's not great. But guys like Lamar and Kyler, you don't see them taking these big hits. Like, give me someone that might be the best athlete on the field versus this guy in the pocket that's just going to get teed off on by pass rushers and not really able to move. So something to keep in mind there. I think more so and when any player, mobile, pocket, quarterback alike, progresses in age, we're going to see them get injured a little bit more often. Russell Wilson now mentioned him a little earlier, but 33 years old, we got the trade rumors swirling, you know, can't go a day without seeing a different Photoshop uh, of him on the old Twitter sphere. Now his last 16 games haven't been fabulous, but again, we're not talking 2014 Peyton, 2019 Drew Brees. Doesn't seem like his physical ability has really fallen off a cliff by any stretch. So do you believe we've already seen the best of Russ or based on the age, based on maybe the recency bias, is he maybe a prime by low candidate in dynasty land? Yeah, I think he's a guy you can go after if you have some quarterback issues. Um, you know, he actually, you know, his numbers weren't bad this past year. You know, his completion percentage down a little bit. But in terms of yards per attempt, yards per completion, uh, you know, touchdown rate, I mean, you can go on and on. You know, they were it, it was up. You know, he was second in average step to target, average up to throw uh, from the quarterback perspective. Um, so that's good. You know, he's pushing it downfield. We've had, we had explosive plays. Um, there's, if there's a reservation, it's the lack of rushing, you know, his scrambling was down, his overall rushing production was down. That worries me a little bit. And because that's down and he's in his mid thirties, I am a little worried that, uh, we have seen his peak and honestly, that's probably okay. You know, are we going to get another QB, you know, number one, overall scoring quarterback season out of him? Like we got in 2017 when he led the NFL and passing touchdowns and dropbacks was second in carries and yards at quarter at running at uh, quarterback. Probably not, you know, we're probably past that, but can he put together, say, three or four more seasons of, you know, QB7, QB4, QB8, QB9, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's possible. Super talented. And if he say, stays in uh, Seattle, you know, he obviously has Metcalf and Lockett there, and, and I'm sure they're not done. Hopefully, D. Eskridge turns into something here in year number two. So, uh, again, ceiling lower than it's been in the years past because he's not rushing uh, and he's getting older, but I do still think he's a fringe QB1. 
four straight years with, I mean, under 20% of his fantasy production coming uh, from rushing on the ground. I mean, you look at what he was doing early in his career, man. Maybe if, uh, you know, people Mm -hmm. have just been more NFL fantasy fans last five years, probably don't remember that Russ truly uh, one of the more productive dual threat quarterbacks in the game. Maybe doesn't get that, you know, quite those same heights, but got to remember, even if you're not the overall QB one can certainly still be an awfully great fantasy asset. Now, Mike, always a tough topic because we don't know exactly what's going on, but we know he's a great player on the field. Deshaun Watson situation seems like it'll result in some sort of suspension, but I don't know. I don't want to get into the logistics with it, but let's just say by this time next year, the situation's over. Deshaun Watson has served whatever penalty he needs to serve, and now we're going to 2023 with him being a starting quarterback in the NFL with no more legal concerns. Where would you rank him then? Because personally, man, I think QB4, QB5 is fair because we've seen Mm -hmm. the dual threat goodness. But to kind of our point, what we've been talking about, like, you know, maybe the rushing can really help you out early on in the career. But you got to start wondering 26, 28, what's happening? I mean, Watson, you look at what he did in 2020 as a passer. It's hard to call him anything but a top five quarterback in the league. So if all the legal stuff is figured out by 2023, where are you ranking Watson in Dynasty? Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned the last time we saw him, he led the NFL in passing yards was first in yards per attempt. You know, he, he, the passing was, was tremendous, you know, 33 touchdowns, seven picks through the air and still for the third straight year, top five in carries. Right. So uh, the guy is, you know, had he not had the legal issues, we'd be talking about him right up there with Allen and Mahomes, you know, maybe he'd be number one, who knows what he would have did this last season. We, we, you don't know, you don't know, but nonetheless, he would be in there. Um, you know, straight up again, if you said he was his old self and we're just t- focusing on, on, on field and, and, you know, he's, he's playing, he has a team. It's not a horrendous supporting cast. I'd probably have him four. you know, I probably would have him four. now I have him seven right now. I have him behind Murray oh, nice. Jackson and Burrow. Cause there's question marks, but I do have him ahead of Dak and the, the second year quarterbacks we talked about. So I, maybe I hedged a little bit, but I, th- I think at 26 years old, uh, he'll be 26 when he when they open the season in September. I think that's where he belongs. Same page, man. I got him QB4 as well. If this plays out, we will see what happens, obviously. Now, how Matthew Stafford versus Aaron Rodgers? Because now we're talking about guys, certainly later in their careers, Rodgers, I... I would like to think he's not going to retire playing his best ball. Uh, you know, AJ Hawk on the Pat McAfee show, obviously, you know, he's the reason why Rogers um, is on there with their friendship and everything. And Hawk kind of last year and this year has been consistently saying that he just doesn't believe Rogers will retire while he is this damn good at football. With that said, clearly Rogers is, you know, thinking about it year to year. And we know maybe we're getting a better fancy asset than Stafford, but how much longer? So like Stafford versus Rogers, who would you pick first in a startup dynasty draft? Yeah, so as of right now, with all the information we have, I would uh, I would lean towards Stafford. I have them uh, two spots ahead. I have Stafford, Wilson, and Rodgers right in that right in the early teens. But again, I'm hedging because I don't know if Rodgers is going to play or not. Now, if Rodgers does announce he's coming back, uh, to answer your question, I'd probably bump him up in, in a spot or two. I'd take him over Russ. Uh, Stafford, it's so, man, they're I, right next picked, to each other, man. You pick good names. You pick good names. <laughs> And Rodgers also outscored Stafford this this season by three points, right? They were both uh, they were both pretty good, you know, top seven, uh, top six fantasy quarterbacks. So um, I think I would feel a little bit more comfortable with Stafford over the next few years. But if I was just looking to win this season and I knew Rodgers was back was back, I would uh, I would win Aaron Rodgers. Stafford, I people never gave him enough credit for what he did in the first eight games of 2019. I mean, he was a oh, legit yeah. MVP candidate. I think he was QB four uh, in fantasy land. Yeah, I know 2020 uh, happened there. We can't just, you know, pick the top eight games of a guy's career. But with no Kenny Galladay, like Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola were his top receivers. Uh, Matthew Stafford has had a bit longer, I think, of a high-end uh, fantasy success uh, than people give him credit for. So, yeah, I am with you. Stafford one spot ahead of Aaron Rodgers. We'll see if uh, Aaron ever decides to give us a clue on what's happening next i'm like whenever i do my ranks uh, when i'm done with it i just like to go next to and put the adp next to them see the difference and you know hey this is these are guys i'm much higher on than uh, average draft position these are guys i'm much lower on do i really feel that way and the biggest difference i had after putting these together was jalen hurts he's my qb 16 but i'm seeing him with the top 10 adp man i get it for 2022 we've talked about the cheat code that is the dual threat quarterback. I don't need to be sold on that. 
Are we really convinced Hurts is the Eagles QB of the future, though, man? Because we know Nick Sirianni came there last year and stayed with Hurts, but we also did see him completely change this offense after seven weeks when it became Mm -hmm. pretty clear that Hurts wasn't able to accomplish what Sirianni was hoping for from this passing game. Yeah, 100%. And and I'm worried. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, grew up an Eagles fan, and uh, the schedule was very easy for them in the second half on top of everything else. So, you know, Hurts wasn't getting the job done. They were losing. They switched to a run-heavy approach against an easy schedule, and it worked for them the rest of the way, right? So um, I'm I'm concerned that they go into next season and the pressure's back on, and they're not able to necessarily run the football, as was the case in the playoffs, and it's on hurt shoulders, and he doesn't do it. He struggles, uh, as he did this past season at times, and, and the wheels kind of fall off for the Eagles. So I think that's a very real possibility. I hope that's not the case. Certainly, you're rooting for the guys, second-round pick. You hope he makes the leap and turns into a star, but uh, – you know, I, I, I'm with you with those concerns. And I had those concerns last year. You know, uh, I tried to take advantage of him at near peak value because, honestly, his ADP is not too different than it was last year at Dynasty. People were on him. In fact, uh, I was in a league with, you mentioned, you know, Roto World before, uh, the NBC Edge guys. We've had a long, ongoing Dynasty league. And um, someone in the league was on the clock right around the 1-2 turn. I think it was like pick 2.1, something like that. And um, I offered him. Jalen Hurts for that pick. And I took Trevor Lawrence needing a young quarterback. So I picked Lawrence over Hurts at that point, And I still have them ranked as such. So uh, I still would lean toward those young guys. I, I think that we need to, we need to hedge on this a little bit. I, I maybe hedge isn't the right word, but you have to weigh next year, obviously larger than you would any other year. So uh, if you do, we, we all believe Hurts will be the quarterback next season. And if it's if that's the case, he's going to be a top five, top seven quarterback every single week for the next season. And that absolutely holds value, even if you think he has one or two years left as a starter. And honestly, if he struggles and they move on from him next season, he might get another job starting somewhere else for another year or two. And if that's the case, he's still going to put up fantasy points yeah. because of his legs. So, um, again, QB 12 for me, I, you know, I I guess I'm just a pinch higher than you, but the concerns are real. And if you're banking on him in Dynasty, you definitely need to consider a fallback option, even if it's drafting someone this year, you know, with it maybe a mid second round or late second round, you take a Kenny Pickett or uh, one of these young guys that's drafted in the first round. Uh, but you definitely need to have a backup plan there. It's funny you bring up Lawrence. That was the exact quarterback that when I was looking at some of the ADP, I was like, hold on. Hertz is actually going before Lawrence here. And I went on handy dandy Twitter and just asked uh, my faithful followers, who would you rather have in dynasty? Got a good 4,000 votes, 65% Trevor Lawrence, 34% Jalen Hurts. So good job guys. Think you guys are, uh, you know, a little sharper than uh, the average Joe out there, but yeah, man, give me Lawrence over Hertz in the future. Hertz is the more fancy friendly quarterback. You got to be on the field, you know, to be actually putting up those fancy Mm -hmm. points. Bold take uh, from myself there. I know a couple more questions, Mike. Great stuff. Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Matt Ryan. They're all 30-plus. These aren't guys that, you know, you're breaking your back to get. If you're in a single quarterback league, I mean, there's a good chance that none of these guys are even going to be starting week to week. But super flex, obviously, this is when we're kind of diving into this tier. Again, Cousins, Tannehill, Carr, Jimmy G, and Matt Ryan. Pick your buy and sell from this group because we have seen flashes of success (laughs) from all these guys. That's one point or another, Uh. albeit maybe some a little bit longer ago than others. Yeah, can I do sell for all four? Like, I don't, <laughs> look, it, it, I mean, the thing is, we're talking backups, right? I mean, your your plan yeah. ne- isn't necessarily to to build your team around, um, you know, starting any of these guys on a week to week basis. So, you know, look, Cousins flashed this past year. He has Kevin O'Connell there, assuming he stays in Minnesota. You have Jefferson and Thielen and Osborne came around. You're going to get Irv Smith back. You have Dalvin Cook and Madison. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll invest a little bit more on the offensive line. You know, they have a lot of pedigree there, but it hasn't turned into. Uh, effective play just yeah. yet but you know that, that's a situation where he can put together another top 12 maybe top 10 season but he's just his ceiling is capped I mean he puts up some big touchdown totals the past couple of years and just couldn't crack that top five or really be, be a difference making QB1 right and that's the case for all these guys right they just have a ceiling in that fringe QB1 territory we've seen Tannehill in that vicinity and is super run heavy Tennessee uh, Derek Carr has never been up there. You know, he's always capped out at, the, you know, right around the top 10 or 12 um, and, and Garoppolo, same kind of thing, right? He has his moments where he flashes for a little bit, but misses time with injuries or disappears. It doesn't throw any p- passing touchdowns for a while. He's going to have a new home this year. So don't really love any of these guys. I mean, if, if I was, if I had a good QB one and I wanted a backup, 
probably Cousins the safest, I would say, Carr maybe with with uh, Josh McDaniels and better targets because you have to imagine they're going to invest there. You know, they're situated to just to get that team to the playoffs with the guys he was throwing to, especially with Waller out this year. Uh, impressive. And, and I like Derek Carr, you know, he may have me blocked on Twitter, but I do big like same, him. Big same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do, uh, I do think he's an underrated player. So uh, I'm rooting for him, but from a fantasy perspective, he's just one of them guys. He doesn't run at all. And that crushes him. And I really love the way, uh, you know, Carr, I mean, my God, just some of the things he had to go through uh, this year with Gruden and Henry Ruggs and uh, just being the leader that he was, uh, you know, throughout the whole process. I, I think his quote was, you know, I, I hate the, uh, I hated the decision, but like, I love the man or something. And I, I thought that was a uh, very related one. Good to see uh, from Derek Carr. I saw, I, you know, PFF, I think just trying to get some engagement on uh, uh, the social media and all that, but they were saying like, what happens if Derek Carr goes to Pittsburgh or something like that. Mm-hmm. I do think out of this group, Group. Cousins and Carr are the ones where most likely to maybe have a Stafford-esque, you know, revival where they could go to another team and put up some numbers because Matt Ryan, Tannehill, Jimmy G, I just don't think that we're going to, I think I'm more confident we've already seen the best from them as opposed mm-hmm. to Carr and Cousins. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And have we, you know, I haven't looked this up, but have we ever seen Carr with like a really good supporting cast? In terms of he targets, had Cooper I mean, and Crabtree, but that's not amazing, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That was that was a pretty good group. But he also he wasn't playing his best ball back then either. No. It took him that, a couple that, years yeah. to get going. After um, that, he's had, injury. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I get you know Hunter Renfro is pretty good, but not you know not a vertical difference maker. And obviously Waller, when he's healthy, is really good. Yeah. But and, and and he was you know he was doing really well earlier in the season when he had that vertical threat, yeah. right? So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think Carr is probably the most likely to come out of nowhere and have that huge season if in the right situation. But I think also, on the other hand, he's been around a, a long time and he's had several good years where he's played well the past couple of years and hasn't been there in fantasy. And again, yeah. he just doesn't run. <laughs> we keep yeah. coming back to that. It's just it, it's remember a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, this guy is going to run 100 times. So we have to upgrade him. You know, he's one of them, <laughs> you know, unicorns. But now it's the opposite. The unicorns are the guys that don't run at all. And they and they you have to crush them for, you know, a guy yeah. like Baker Mayfield is a guy I've never liked for the same reasons. There's just yeah. it, whether you like it or not, those guys that don't do anything with their legs, you they have to be Tom Brady. They yeah. have to be Tom Brady to overcome it and throw 45 touchdowns. You know, it's just like yeah. you have to do that. Speaking of Baker Mayfield. It's gross. He has an ADP as QB 27. I have him, I think, ranked QB 22, which is being kind. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of what he's done, but I do recognize Mike in the second half of 2018, he was able to work as a low end QB one after kind of getting the starting job um, over Tyrod. And then in 2020, now I hated the idea that the Browns were better off without OBJ, but Baker Mayfield did put a good 10, 11 games on tape and in fantasy land where again, he wasn't being spectacular. I'm not saying anyone should be lining up to start Baker Mayfield, but I think you could do worse as you're like QB three and super flex than someone that has at least shown us the ability to be a high-end quarterback not once but twice during the course of his short career and let's give the guy a little bit of slack I mean you tear your labor from week two he was looking pretty damn good in week one against the Chiefs and up until uh, that injury obviously you know had a laundry list of uh, things going on I'm sure the guys at NBC Sports Edge used the uh, you know Baker Mayfield parentheses everything you know not practicing uh, today yeah, a time yeah. or two so you know we, we talked earlier about you know value and all that is Baker Mayfield someone that maybe we're writing off just a a little bit too quickly because you know someone like uh i guess i'm more confident um you said before like maybe jalen hurts could get a shot on another team which yeah absolutely i'm not saying that can't happen but i feel like baker mayfield and these former number one overall picks especially when they've you know shown off that arm strength always seems like there might be another offensive coordinator out there thinking they can fix this guy and again seeing him dirt cheap and in, in dynasty land i'm okay throwing a dart baker mayfield am i just wasting my time like yeah, I think probably because he just doesn't have a ceiling, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy we consider to be a an annual top ten fantasy quarterback. And one of the reasons is his legs, right? And remember, he's he's going to be twenty seven this year, right? He's not twenty three anymore, right? Came in a, a little older uh, than some of these guys coming in, and he never runs the ball. He's never he's never had more than one hundred and sixty five rushing yards in a season. He has five career rushing touchdowns. He's always going to be a liability in that department in fantasy. And that's why I've never really liked him. You know, I came around on him a few spots in my season long rankings last year toward the end of the season, because there were some reasons to believe that maybe they were going to throw the ball more because they did open up the offense in the second half. 
of 2020. You know, they moved away from being super run heavy for the first time with Stefanski calling plays, whether it was Minnesota or Cleveland. And there seemed to be an impression that maybe they would carry that over. And they did not. They did not do that. They went back to running the football. Uh, sure, certain, you know, part of that was not maybe having the targets and part of it was uh, Baker not being health, fully healthy. Um, but, um, I, you know, and again, look, I, I'm not sure he's he's a difference-making quarterback. You know, he did finish 2020 strong and then kind of fell off. Maybe, maybe he is, maybe he gets healthy and he plays better this season. But even if he does, even if he gets healthy and he plays at a high level and say he's seventh or eighth in QBR or something like that, is that going to be enough to be a weekly QB one? I, I don't think so <laughs> because, because of, because of his rushing and because of the scheme, you know, with them running the ball so much, I don't think so. So I think if you take him, it is as your, I waited too long for my QB two and super flex. I mean, I'll take a shot. Maybe he's QB 15 for me and I'll be okay, but that's it. Uh, you know, like, like you said, you know, probably a good QB three and super flex and, but that puts him at his ADP, right? 27, yeah. 20, 25, 27, you know, that's about where I have him ranked. So no, I'm not a, not a big Baker fan from a fantasy perspective. If his best case scenario is a borderline QB one, probably not worth, you know, getting on the ride in the first place. Cause you know, right. looking at the scheme, looking at the lack of a rushing floor, I know the Stefanski parallel is probably the easiest one to make, but why not? If the shoe fits Kirk cousins last year, Probably like we're hoping Baker Mayfield, he could maybe one day be like what Kirk Cousins is. And that's not great. I'm sure Browns fans don't love hearing that. But Kirk, at least in fantasy last year, just a QB 12 in fantasy points per game. So, yeah, maybe someone like Jameis or these other quarterbacks we're about to talk about better investment if you're just shooting for that ceiling. That takes us to last question for you, Mike. Favorite deeper deep sleeper who you think has a chance to rise up to, we'll say passable QB2 territory, but right now they're just in the dirt. So some possible examples, Daniel Jones, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, or maybe the flavor of today. Everyone's talking about him, Mitchell Trubisky, perhaps. <laughs> oh, my. It's like <laughs> peak. It's peak early offseason. This is February. You know, Let's go. <laughs> yeah, peak, you know, like, but even on social, you know, I get the tweets, you know, I'll, I'll tweet something about the Steelers or whatever. And, and you get, you know, I, I like I think I posted their their skill position players the other week and included the quarterbacks. Right. And it's it's obviously um, not great, you know, right now what they're what they're looking at. Um, and the replies are like, that's all right. We'll bring in Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles and, and be fine. You know, Nick Foles or, or Mitch Trubisky and be fine. Why? You know, everyone hated <laughs> Mitch Trubisky this time last year. Right. He's not a good starter. Get rid of him. The Bears need to move on. Now, these quarterback needy teams, the fans are like, let's bring get Mitch Trubisky. Right. Like he's the solution or Nick Foles, you know, like it's ridiculous. I mean, you can, that cannot, Mason Rudolph cannot be your plan at quarterback. You know, you can't, Kyle Trask probably can't be your plan. You know, Mitch Trubisky can't be your plan. Like if you go into it's the like season super bad, year, man, like Trubisky Foles, why is it between McLovin and Muhammad here? Like we got to have a better option out there. Right. You, you, and, and you see the quotes, like them saying, well, Mason Rudolph is our top quarterback right now. Yeah. Well, Kyle Trask is the Bucks quarterback right now. They don't have anyone else on the roster. Like that's, that's their situation. Sure. That doesn't mean they're not going to address it. So it can't be the plan. If the Steelers go into next season and they're just content with Mason Rudolph, they're going to either barely miss the playoff or they're going to miss the playoffs completely or get knocked out in the first round, whatever it may be. He's not the answer. We've seen him already. So, um, you know, that you have to anticipate those teams being aggressive. Hopefully they are if they want to win football games, but to answer your question, the guy I have ranked highs that kind of fits this bill is someone you mentioned, and that would be Daniel Jones. I have him QB 18, still 25 years old, finally got better management there in New York, um, most likely a better coaching situation. I've known Mike Kafka for quite a few years. I think that was a, a strong hire by them, and he can help develop Daniel Jones. But, you know, again, Jones doesn't need to be an elite passing quarterback to be a QB one. He needs to be average okay because what's killed him the past couple of years is the Giants can't score touchdowns they're dead last in touchdowns the past couple of years and maybe Jones is part of that he's certainly a big part of it um, but maybe with a better scheme and healthy players around him he can at least be okay in that department because again he can run he can add value with his legs he is a good athlete we've seen that before he puts up numbers when he's healthy uh, and he's still in, in his prime year so I think Jones is a guy from that group with the the better coaching, the better supporting cast, the better scheme that he can make that leap and at least be a fringe QB one. But I say all that knowing that we felt that way the last couple of years and it hasn't panned out with him. So, um, 
you know, go tread, tread uh, cautiously with uh, Daniel Jones. We have seen that ceiling though. And I know, uh, right, you know, you're right. godfather of our industry, Matthew Barry, certainly, you know, caught a lot of shit where people, it's always after the fact, man. I'm sure no one had too much of a problem when he was saying Daniel Jones course, was his late round sleeper going 2020. You know, once the season's over, people come out of their shells. But Daniel Jones, as a rookie in 2019, four weeks as a top two fantasy quarterback. And even mm-hmm. looking at last year, man, weeks one through four, QB 12, QB 4, QB 24, and QB 7. Then he gets the, I believe it was a concussion against the Cowboys. Just wasn't the same. He gets banged up at the end of the year. You know, this rushing upside, that's what we're looking for. Daniel Jones has it, man. Every time I see him, you know, break free and read option, I feel like next-gen stats telling me he's the fastest kid alive and all this going on. The guy can run. Maybe we didn't expect that, you know, coming out of college. Or, but, hey, man, three years, of, three years of evidence, I like the Daniel Jones call. Mike, great stuff as always. Thank you for the time, brother. Again, not your second appearance on the PFF Fantasy Podcast, more <laughs> like your 2000th appearance. And we appreciate you each and every time. Anything else you want to get off your chest before you get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, we covered pretty much all layers here, right, of, of the rankings. I actually just up, updated mine uh, not too long ago, but we know things are going to change throughout the offseason. So uh, a good starting point here. We have to start somewhere. Um, you know, I'm working on rookies now. We'll get them into the rank soon. Yeah. and. Uh, projection season is upon us at least to get that first run going before free agency. And that's going to change things as well. So, uh, and, and, and by the way, it's coming fast. I mean, there was an extra week in the regular season, which means there's one less week in the off season. So everything's coming faster. We have to pack a full off season to one less week, which sounds like it's easy enough, but it's really not because there's so much to do. So uh, we're, we're just checking boxes over here at ESPN and, and getting stuff ready to go for next season. We have some new features in the game, including, uh, better dynasty and, and keeper nice. support too, which is awesome. So I'm, I've been pushing for that for a long time. I'm excited and uh, nothing better, nothing better, my friend, than a dynasty league. So it's always fun to come on here and talk some dynasty. Yeah, man. So just, February, we got a lot of time to talk free agencies and rookies still, but let's take a step back and try to look at the league from a bigger picture. I believe we accomplished that in style today with the quarterback position. When, uh, when are you going to start having the clay projections uh, going out for free agency, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have the first, you know, kind of a, a loose run of projections ready to go going into uh, free agency. Okay. So I could drop kind of live projections, you know, an early look just to give you everyone a ballpark of where uh, guys belong. And then uh, after that, after free agency settles, that's when I take a long time, like a full week and go yeah. team by team, player by player. I write my article, things I learned and really tune them. And then we'll have that PDF out with uh, a really, really in-depth look at the projections for the whole league. So I'm excited for that. I always like to get to that point that, that for me, Makes it feel like the season's up and running. Locking yourself in the office, beard getting out of control. Got oh, yeah. those projections uh, just right. Truly, I mean, every time there's a you know big offseason move, you know, one of the first things I'm looking at are Mike Clay's newfound projections. Some of I think the best volume of projections out there in the industry. Check out Mike Field, Matthew Berry, the whole ESPN crew. Again, Mike Clay on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL, as you guys already know. So for Mike, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 